Hello and welcome to the Nishama Project podcast, where we explore spiritual tools for living a happier, healthier, more fulfilling life. I'm Rabbi Ben Newman. Today, I'd like to explore the idea of how we transform from one thing to another thing in our lives, how we make transitions. So I'd like to do that through the context of exploring the idea of nothingness, and in particular, a short text by Rabbi Lawrence Kushner from his book, The River of Light, Spirituality, Judaism, and Consciousness. And then I'll explore it a little bit further through some thoughts that come to my mind and some reflections. Let's begin by reading the text from Rabbi Lawrence Kushner. Nothingness. Not enough has been said in our generation of God's nothingness. I do not mean the nothingness spoken of by the nihilists who believe, with a kind of disappointed piety, that the ultimate reality is actually nothing. Nor do I mean the nothingness of the classical mystics who knew of the self's utter disillusion into the infinity. I mean, instead, the nothingness, with a capital N, that lies just beyond every something as its ultimate expression and transformation into another something, the beginning of being, and the end of being. You cannot become someone other than you are until you are willing for just one moment to allow yourself to become one whom you are not. That is, until you are willing to enter the nothing. It is possibly the most effortless and the most important thing any of us can do. The great Magid of Mesrich taught it this way. Nothing can simply change from one reality into another without first attaining the level of nothingness. An egg must first cease to exist as an egg before the chick can come forth from it. So it is with everything in the world. Even miracles that seem to alter the natural order must first bring nature itself into the nothingness. Only then can the miracle come forth. This is the nothingness that, of necessity, joins every something. When the children of Israel left Egypt, they passed through this nothingness, and were transformed by it. They had to quit being who they were, slaves, and for a moment, it must have seemed like an eternity, endure their own death, withstand their own transformation, emerge reborn as free people on the other side of the sea. In the words of Exodus 14.29, they went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. There was a moment for them when two things that cannot coexist, coexisted. They were in the midst of the sea, yet they were on dry ground. It did not become dry ground until they set foot in the sea. They did not become free until slaves did what only free people can do. This is logically unintelligible, a thing and its contradiction, sea and dry ground, slave and free. Consciousness collapses under its own weight. The left cerebral hemisphere can no longer endure the madness of it all and tells us that when a thing and its opposite are the same, 
the logical result is everything and nothing. Just this is the last place of our awareness after it has ceased to be what it was, but before it has become what it will next be. In a way, all the great mythic moments are like this. Sinai, for instance. How could God, who is infinite, speak to people who are finite without destroying them both? You will recall the many legends that suggest that everyone at first did indeed die, or the story of the creation event. How could something come from nothing? Such an incomprehensible assertion that dogmaless Jews elevated to an article of faith anyway. How could light come forth from darkness, consciousness from unconsciousness, or the legend of the great redemption at the Red Sea? How could a people go into the midst of the sea on dry ground? It is almost as if, in order to fully grasp the meaning of the story, our own consciousness must endure that same nothingness that spans the distance between death and rebirth. Only by allowing yourself to relive the story can you experience what cannot be understood. In every generation, each Jew must experience himself, or herself, or their self, as though they, personally, were freed from Egypt. Every religious moment participates in this nothingness. Rehearsals for the times of transformation. Religion helps us to endure them. It schools us in their transforming power. And the Holy One of Being would then be the one whom we meet during the passage. This God is king over a realm of nothingness. This one stands just beyond the edge of the void and say, says only to we who are huddled on the shore, unable to retreat, afraid to go forward, it is time now. And we, from time to time, when we allow ourselves to relive the great religious myths, step into the midst of the sea on what turns out to be dry ground. We enter the nothingness. It happens at least every seventh day. So that's the text from Rabbi Lawrence Kushner. A couple of things come to mind for me. One is the tarot card of the fool, which is uh, the first tarot card, which is a zero, uh, is the number associated with it, or the aleph, letter aleph, which um, corresponds to the word ayin, or nothingness. Uh, it's the first letter of ayin, of nothingness. It's also the first letter of anochi, I, identity. Uh, it's zero, it's one, it's nothing, it's something, all at the same time. And the picture of the fool in the tarot deck is of a figure who has a backpack on a stick and is about to step off a cliff into nothing. Uh, and the miracle is that somehow they're going ahead and beginning a journey, uh, and they're taking sort of a leap of faith into nothingness. Uh, and that's what first comes to mind for me and when I read that text. So let's delve a little bit deeper into this idea of Aleph and the Fool. So Aleph is an amazing letter. Uh, it represents the smallest 
number, one, uh, or nothing, ayin, uh, echad, or ayin, uh, but it's also aluf, the ruler, it's also elef, which is a thousand. Uh, it's very much like the number zero in Arabic numerals, in that um, when you add a zero to any number, it multiplies it by a ten, and then you add two zeros, it multiplies it by a hundred. So it's nothing, and yet it has amazing value. In the same way, the letter Aleph is a silent letter. It doesn't make any sound except for the sound that the vowel that's put with it makes. So for example, if it, there's an ah vowel or e vowel, e, u, o, it, uh, that's the sound that it makes. Uh, there's no consonantal sound that goes with it. So again, it's silence, it's nothing, and yet it's the potential for everything, which leads me back to the zero, right? A zero is a circle. In Arabic numerals and that zero really has the potential for anything to go inside of it that circle is an empty space that is just waiting to be filled like a blank piece of paper um, or uh, silence that's waiting to be broken by a sound uh, or the white spaces that the black letters are written on to go to a commentary from Nachmanides, uh, the great medieval sage. The Torah is black fire written on white fire. And the Aleph is really representative of that white f fire on which the black fire is written. There's a great story, a Hasidic story, about a bunch of Hasidim who were sitting around discussing what was given to Moses by God on Mount Sinai. And one chassid said, it was the entire Torah, all five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And the next chassid said, no, 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 no. It was only the Ten Commandments. As we read in the Torah, those Ten Commandments were written on the tablets of stone. And then another chassid said, no, no, no. It wasn't the Ten Commandments that were given on Sinai. It was the first commandment. I am the Lord your God. To affirm God's existence. The next chassid said, no, 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 you're wrong. It wasn't the five books of Moses that were given. It wasn't the Ten Commandments. It wasn't the first commandment. It was the first word of the first commandment, Anochi, which means I, which is an affirmation of consciousness itself. And that is what was given on Mount Sinai. And then their Rebbe, the Tzadi, came over and they said, who's right? He said, you're all wrong. What was given on Sinai wasn't the five books of Moses. It wasn't the Ten Commandments. It wasn't... Even the first commandment, it wasn't even the first word of the first commandment, it was the first letter of the first word of the first commandment. Uh, 
the letter Aleph. And one of the students said, but, but Rabbi, but Rebbe, isn't Aleph a silent letter? And the Rebbe said, no, no, no. Aleph makes the sound that you're making as you're beginning to engage a conversation. That moment of silent pause when you're beginning to say something. And that's really the essence of the Aleph, and I think in a lot of ways that's really the essence of any transformation that we make, going back to Rabbi Lawrence Kushner's writings. We need to be able to clean the slate. We need to be able to return to a sort of nothingness or emptiness, a blank page, so to speak, or silence, an Aleph, a zero, in order to begin again and to start a new story, to start a new chapter in our lives, whatever metaphor you want to use. Since the beginning of everything, the beginning of all creation, begins with that, that nothingness, which is really potential for anything and everything. This year I read a book uh, that I highly recommend by an author that I highly recommend. The book is The Book of Form and Emptiness by the author Ruth Ozeki. Um, she's written several really great books. A Tale for the Time Being is uh, the previous one that she wrote, which is wonderful. And this one is probably one of the best books that I've ever read. It's a book of fiction. It's about a young boy named Benny who loses his father in a horrible accident. And his unique way of looking at the world. Uh, and he comes across some many interesting characters in this book, and there's one character who is a poet, a homeless poet who rides around on a wheelchair, uh, whose name is Slavoj, who uh, is named after the philosopher uh, Slavoj Zizek. Uh, Ruth Ozeki admitted as such in many interviews. But this Slavoj is a poet, and he lives on the street, and he collects uh, plastic bottles in big plastic bags, and for that reason they call him the Bottle Man or the Bee Man. Uh, but he's also a poet, uh, a Slovenian poet who carries around his manuscript that he's one day going to show to the world. And he's got some great lines, great quotes in the book, but I wanted to share one quote which comes to mind with this idea of emptiness or nothingness. He writes, he says to Benny, and uh, excuse my accent, but this is the way she writes the book with his accent sort of written in there. Poetry is a problem of form and emptiness. The moment I put one word onto an empty page, I have created a problem for myself. The poem that emerges is form trying to find a solution to my problem, he sighed. In the end, of course, there are no solutions, only more problems, but this is a good thing. Without problems, there would be no poems. And I think this is 
humorous, but it's true, right? The whole idea of this world is uh, a, a series of stories of people working through their lives, and their lives are a series of challenges and problems that we work through. Uh, I heard once from, I think it was Dan Harmon or, or uh, some writer of television or fiction, maybe it was Kurt Vonnegut, that every story involves three elements, a person, a place, and a problem. And, you know, if you don't have a problem, there's really no story there. Uh, and that's part of what life is all about. It's working through the problems. Uh, so the moment that something comes out of nothing, there's a problem there. And the process of creation is the process of solving that problem, working through that problem. And the process of a story is the same way. And the process of a life is the same way. Uh, as soon as you make a choice in life to go from that potential, that infinite potential, that, that nothingness to something, you're creating a problem for yourself that you need to solve, right? You're making a choice. You're limiting your options from every potential option to one. Uh, or you're narrowing it at least to a lower number of options and as you do that uh, your options go smaller and smaller and smaller as you make more and more choices there's actually another quote from Ruth Ozeki's book that begins the book and it goes like this a book must start somewhere one brave letter must volunteer to go first laying itself on the line in an act of faith from which a word takes heart and follows, drawing a sentence into its wake. From there, a paragraph amasses, and soon a page, and the book is on its way, finding a voice, calling itself into being. So that's where I'm going to leave you dear listeners today with the openness and the potential for everything which exists coming out of an empty page, coming out of silence, coming out of the beginner's mind as Shunryu Suzuki, the great Zen master, put it. Until next time, this is Rabbi Ben Newman, and this has been the Nishama Project Podcast. Thanks for listening.